Hello again and welcome to another real estate podcast. My name is Andrew Wetzel. I'm a full-time agent and a realtor with Long & Foster. I'm also an associate broker, an ethics instructor, a mediator, and past co-chair of professional standards at Tri-County Suburban Realtors Association. I've been moving sellers and buyers since 1996. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Today's topic, compensation in real estate. Suppose you contacted me to discuss my helping you sell your home or any piece of real estate. What would you think if I told you that I could greatly increase your proceeds by reducing what you expected to pay me by my not using a portion of my fee to pay the agent representing the buyer? Would you be thrilled or would you be skeptical? Let me clarify something. Contracts are with brokers and agents generally work with the buyers and sellers, although brokers can too, but I use the word broker and agent sometimes interchangeably. Back to the topic. There are different business models for compensating real estate agents. Our rules and regulations require that we disclose how we are paid and that the fee is negotiable. Having the seller pay a negotiated commission or fee to their listing broker or agent at settlement or the closing of a sale remains the most common. In turn, the listing broker would offer compensation to the buyer broker slash agent who got the property sold and settled. That offer of compensation is an incentive to show and sell real estate. While that business model makes sense and has worked for years, as I will explain, over the years, many have questioned having a seller provide the compensation that would ultimately end up paying the buyer's agent. That question finally caused enough of a stir that a major change has occurred with respect to compensation. My local MLS, Multiple Listing Service, and I suspect that many others adopted a change to how properties are listed in the MLS. As was stated in a recent release to agents, Bright MLS now will, in quotes, allow users to enter any amount in the listings cooperative compensation fields. Prior to this update, the cooperative compensation fields required entry of at least one cent. The fields now will allow any amount from zero and up. The release went on to explain the change as allowing subscribers to engage in transparent negotiations with their clients. That seems logical, doesn't it? Real estate agents have two commodities to trade for the opportunity to earn a fee or commission. One is our time meaning any time that we devote to developing leads and working with prospects, customers, and clients has to be invested wisely as the amount of time we have is finite. Time management is one of the many topics we have to master. How much is our time worth? How much is your time worth? Can we differentiate between important tasks and urgent ones? How is our time best spent? Some agents have a better handle on this than others. One of our challenges is to evaluate which clients to accept based on the likely outcome of our working for them. It boils down to probability. Am I likely to sell a client's house or is a buyer likely to buy a house? Of course, this is a people business. Nothing's guaranteed and we will all spend some time for which we know we will not be compensated. However, the goal is to manage our time as best we can, or at least recognize when time spent is becoming a concern, such as when it distracts us from more efficient and effective pursuits. 
It can be a balancing act. Of course, discrimination is never acceptable. That's not what I'm talking about here. The other commodity we have to trade is the combination of our experience, training, education, knowledge, ability, and resources. Our actual experience is only one part of the equation as some of us spend a lot of time, money, and effort to continue learning so that we're better prepared to protect and promote the best interests of our clients. While some clients may be more self-sufficient than others, perhaps minimizing what we need to do for them, others are less so and we will need to spend more of our time as we advise and counsel them. One of the basic requirements of real estate is that commissions are negotiable. In fact, when a group of agents get together, we are not allowed to discuss commission as doing so may be perceived as collusion. Offices and companies set their rates or fees and may or may not allow their agents the flexibility to charge what they can or need to in order to acquire clients. There is more to our fees than simply comparing one company to another. Are we a valued and unique resource or are we just a commodity? Since my first day in real estate, I've heard that our fees were under assault. Different business models have come and gone, each trying to capture market share. Many, which focused on low or discounted fees, and by discounted I mean compared to their competition, have not survived. This often involved eliminating or limiting certain services such as representation to offset the lower fee, perhaps even going below our minimum standards as established by the states, and if agents are realtors, established by the Code of Ethics for representing clients. This is not retail. Real estate is a service business. Some consumers do not value our services as highly as others, reducing our role to preparing documents and unlocking doors, while others demand a lot of our time, seemingly expecting to learn everything we know, regardless of whether or not their situation requires it or how serious they are about selling or buying. The work commission itself is an interesting one, as is the concept of only getting paid when a house is sold and settled, regardless of how much time and effort we've invested or whether or not the seller and buyer were really motivated to get it done. Many sales fall through when a buyer cannot get a loan or when the two parties cannot agree as to how to address an issue such as a home inspection list. Sometimes people just change their mind. Even if a sale falls through during or just prior to settlement, there is typically no compensation paid. That's part of what we have to accept when we enter real estate. Some companies do collect part of their fee up front to offset the impact of sales falling through. That's an option that a client has to evaluate when considering whom to hire. The commission or fee itself is a marketing expense. It's a cost of doing business. The real question is, can we achieve an outcome for the seller that offsets and justifies our fee, or could they have achieved the same result without our services? I understand that buyers and sellers would prefer to pay less rather than more. Everyone likes a bargain. From the buyer's perspective, many sellers indirectly pay the buyer's broker or agent through their listing broker, although the fees do obviously come from the funds offered by the buyer. From the seller's perspective, the less they pay, the more they walk away with. If we're just a commodity, meaning we're all the same, the goal should be to pay as little as possible. However, we're not all the same. Some are better, others worse. What is the reality? 
Some sellers will select an agent based solely on their fee. I subscribe to the philosophy that you get what you pay for. If an agent is willing to accept less than their competition, or if they need to charge less to attract business, perhaps they're not capable of earning the trust and respect of prospective clients, let alone achieving the same results as their more expensive competition. Sellers might want to question the negotiating skills of an agent who accepts a lower fee to acquire a new client. How hard will they negotiate your selling price? Of course, in some markets, houses sell fast regardless of marketing, while in others, selling seems impossible. Everyone needs to know their local market. I've often joked that I look at my commission checks and sometimes say, that was easy. Other times I say, not nearly enough. Respectfully, sellers need to know their competition and how the market works. Part of the fee negotiated and earned by the listing broker will be offered, as I mentioned earlier, as an incentive for buyer agents to want to show and sell the listing agent's property listing. The amount offered is determined by the agent and the seller, but if it's not competitive with other listings that a buyer's agent might show their client, the seller's house might sit on the market longer than it should. Houses with the high days on the market can become stigmatized, meaning that buyers and their agents wonder why someone hasn't bought it already. Even worse, houses that go under contract and then come back on the market may be thought to have repair issues. Houses that do not sell for whatever reason often require a price reduction to generate interest. How does a price reduction compare to the fee the seller thought they were saving? And the fact of the matter is that in my experience, a lot of houses that have been listed with a low co-op broker compensation, again, the amount offered to buyer agents as an incentive to want to show and sell that house, those houses tend to have price reductions because they aren't generating interest. And again, the question is, how does the price reduction compare to the money that the client thought they were saving? Because even after the reduction, the offer of compensation still may not be suitable in the particular market to generate interest. Assuming that a buyer has hired an exclusive agent to represent their best interests, the buyer and their agent should have agreed to a fee owed the agent at settlement. Hiring a buyer's agent, as with hiring a listing agent, technically requires a contract spelling out the agreement and how the fee is earned. If the contract allows the buyer's agent to accept compensation from the listing agent, it may well include a provision that requires the buyer to personally make up any difference between what they agreed to pay their agent and what the listing broker is offering in the MLS. The question then becomes, why would a buyer pay fair market value for a house and still be willing to pay a portion of their own agent's fee? While there are ways to address this, a buyer may simply avoid the situation by requesting not to see houses that may require their own contribution. As a listing agent, I want buyer agents to want to show and help me sell my inventory. Money is a great incentive. Few sales involve dual agency, meaning having the listing broker or agent produce the buyer for their own listings, but that's beyond my focus here. One idea I hear from time to time is that sellers and buyers should each compensate their own agent. I recently posted a blog and a podcast covering that topic. It sounds simple and fair, doesn't it? But does the typical buyer have the funds to do this? It's been my experience that buyers are really financing their own agent compensation as part of their mortgage. 
The fee paid to the listing agent comes from the sale, unless, of course, the seller owes more than their proceeds. In addition, historically, meaning prior to the change mentioned at the beginning of this podcast and blog, our regional MLS required listing brokers using the MLS to advertise, expose, and promote their property listings to offer some amount of compensation to the buyer's agent who successfully procures a buyer for their listing. The answer for some brokers is to keep their listings off the multiple listing service rather than having to compensate the buyer's agent. They may have accepted a a fee from the seller that doesn't really allow them to make money and compensate a buyer's agent, and that's another discussion that they have to have with their seller. These particular listings are called office exclusives. Can the listing agent offer the same exposure as a regional MLS? That's doubtful, especially since no public advertising is allowed for off-MLS listings by real estate agents. Exposure creates competition. If they cannot generate the same exposure, will the seller achieve a lower selling price? If so, again, how does that compare to the perceived savings? Either way, listing agents should respond to all inquiries even though they're not offering compensation. I doubt that any seller, even those not willing to compensate a buyer's agent, would expect their listing agent to prevent buyer agents from other companies from showing their property to their buyer clients, as that would make no sense. When I talk to prospective seller clients, I need to gather information. Prior to our actually meeting, I need to learn what I can so that I can prepare a market analysis for their house so that I can have some idea about the possible range of asking and selling prices. I also check the compensation offered to buyer agents and share that with my prospective clients so that they can see the market. At our meeting, I need to walk through the house to see how it compares to others on the market, those under contract, and others recently sold so that, again, I can better assess its marketability and a range of asking and selling prices. In addition, I need to discuss the seller's motivation. Are they more focused on the price they achieve or the length of time it takes to sell? Those are usually inversely proportional. The more money you want, the longer it takes to sell. The quicker you want to sell, you're likely to get less money. There's obviously a lot more to taking a property listing than just signing paperwork. I need to make sure that my clients understand their market, the process, the paperwork, and how and why I do what I do. A significant part of this is explaining the commission and how it works. It's more than just an expense. Do they understand the need to compete with other available listings? Do they value what we do and do they value my time? If not, I need to make a decision just as they do. As I alluded to earlier, I have read a number of studies and articles over the years and literally reviewed thousands of MLS printouts for properties that did not sell, and I believe that the amount of compensation offered to buyer's agents has an impact on showing activity on how long it takes to go under contract, and the eventual selling price. This does not mean that there's no room for negotiation. I have at times been willing to accept less for my role, but will not risk harming a seller client by not having what I offer buyer agents compete with comparable available listings. One thing I also want to put out there is it's unethical for buyer agents to avoid showing properties just because they didn't like the level of compensation but that's another topic. 
While I respect different business models, I have two concerns about a seller and listing agent being able to market a property without offering any compensation to a buyer agent. Generally speaking, I'm not sure that all agents adequately explain what we do, especially when it comes to the matter of compensation. I've spoken to many sellers whose prior listing agents did not offer a competitive fee to the market. Many of these sellers claimed that they only saw the chance to save money without understanding the ramifications. How many agents will suggest offering no compensation to buyer agents under the new rules? How many sellers will only see added proceeds? That remains to be seen, but that's why I'm putting this information out there. In addition, I see a problem on the buyer side. I have previously taught the required two-day core course for the Accredited Buyer Representative designation, or ABR. Every time I've taught the two-day course, we had discussions about using the approved representation contract, and I always had one or more students say they did not use them. That led to further discussion. Of course, our rules and regulations require using a formal contract to represent a client. The most significant part of the relationship affected was the compensation. If an agent did not have a written contract specifying their fee and how it was earned and paid, that agent technically had to accept whatever was shown in the MLS at the time a purchase offer was presented to the listing agent. While there was a general range of such compensation that I have seen over the years, it was never zero. I've heard and understand that some buyer agents are intimidated with the process of getting a contract signed and that some buyers refuse to sign one. I suspect that will continue as long as some agents are willing to work without a contract. However, I do not suspect that listing agents have the same mindset. Imagine being a buyer agent working without a contract who has one or more customers who want to see properties with no offer of compensation. Will they show them? Will those properties sit on the market unsold, accumulating days on the market, perhaps needlessly reducing the asking prices? Call me a dreamer but perhaps buyer agents will ultimately stop working without a formal contract and being willing to accept whatever a listing agent thinks their time and effort are worth. Problem is what happens in between. As I hope I've explained, there is much more to selling real estate than deciding how much commission you want to spend. The fee is a marketing expense and a cost of doing business. Owners may try selling on their own, but without professional representation, they may lack the expertise needed to navigate the selling process. Having showings is great. Getting offers is fine. But getting between the offer and settlement is where we earn our commission. And frankly, without the MLS, a private seller may lack the exposure to the public that even creates competition in the first place. In the most common business model, Sellers only pay us if and when we succeed. Studies over the years have shown that houses offering lower commissions to buyer agents tend to take longer to sell. While we all want to save money, there's nothing wrong with that, but signing a listing contract based on a low commission may not work. I've seen the same result time and time again. A low commission is offered to buyer agents. Those houses may not get shown. They may get shown but not sold. The listing agent asks for a price reduction, which more than likely offsets any perceived savings, and you're spinning yourself in circles. While the new price may appear attractive, the commission still hasn't changed, so the house may continue to sit unsold. Be careful what you wish for. 
Remember, when it comes to selling or buying what is typically your biggest asset and largest overall investment of time, money, and effort, there's no time for inexperience, empty promises, or false expectations. Hire wisely. We're not all the same. 